Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jillian Cassie has taught in the Newburgh and Large City School District since 1989, teaching general music, chorus, piano, and music technology on all levels. She currently directs the Cecile Chaminade Treble Chorus, the Acapella Mixed Chorus, and the Madrigal Singers at Newburgh Free Academy main campus. She has presented conference sessions and performances at the county, state, and national level and guest conducts within the state of New York. Her students are frequent participants in county and state festivals, and her ensembles have performed at local, state, and national events. Jillian holds a Bachelor of Music from the Crane School of Music at SUNY Potsdam, a Master of Arts in Educational Psychology from Marist College, and Time Level 1B certification in Music Technology. She has served in a variety of offices for the Orange County Music Educators Association, including President and Ensemble Chair, where she recently instituted the first all-county vocal jazz ensemble in Orange County. She has served on the Orange County 4-H Leaders Association and is a visual artist in residence for the Cornell Cooperative Extension. She enjoys spending time with her family, making music, skiing, bicycling, and hiking the High Peaks region of New York. Well, it gives me great pleasure to uh, introduce Jillian Cassie. Uh, Jillian, I've known you, I think, since my Soundtree days. And for those people that are not familiar, Soundtree is the... Uh, the former ed or the education division of Korg USA, and and I believe Jillian that you were a, you you taught in a in a Soundtree lab up in Newburgh. Is that correct? I did. I did. So you must have known the incredible Jason Panucci. I do. He's my my very favorite person in the world when it comes to music technology. Next to you, of course, because um, he true. he literally saved my entire program in extremely dire circumstances. Yeah, so, I have um, to hear. I, I loving he told him. me about that story, but I'd love to hear it from you. And I'm sure our listeners, because you know the the we're, we're recording this like right at the end of December of of one of the worst years of humanity, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> yeah. been like you know just a, a year that I can't wait to turn the page on. Um, but it sounds like I remember Jason's story uh, about what happened to your lab. You have to tell it because it's like if you think 2020 was bad, I can't imagine what you went through all those years ago. So, Jillian, like, let's hear that because it's just it's crazy. Okay, so I think it was uh, the summer of 2006. So it's going back a ways. And um, I was teaching up in uh, a third floor room, which was a music teacher's dream because there were no adjoining rooms. It was just this room on top of the building. Uh, so we could you know turn the stereo up to 11 and not bother anybody oh, awesome. and I had this full-fledged music technology program going I was teaching um, uh, a class called music in our lives which was uh, all applied things like film scoring and and uh, movie making and so forth and I also had a piano lab I taught three levels of piano I had a synthesizer ensemble um, and we also used to 
you used to have an arts, what was called an arts academy, smaller learning community. And I was, I taught the technology portion of that. So the room was really decked out um, and it was all covered under grants. So we had some really awesome equipment um, and most of it came from Soundtree. So we had a, a general education controller, audio network, um, and all the bells and whistles, so to speak, that went with it. I had Mac computers, I had Korg X5D synthesizers, and everything was connected to everything. It was, yeah. you know, sort of the music teacher stream that everything actually talked to each other. Um, and they were doing a very comprehensive roofing project. This building is a half a, half a million square feet, so it's enormous. It has four distinct portions to it. The oldest part was built in 1927, and my room was part of that. Uh, it was an annex. It was tacked on in 1931 when they decided that the music people were making too much room so, or too much noise, so they <laughs> built us their own room. And, um, and during the roofing project, they did the roof teardown and left for the weekend and um, didn't cover it up. And the roof drains all drain through the building, but they had torn out the roof drains. Uh, and that was that July that it seemed like it rained forever. And I believe it rained for about five or six days in a row. Uh, so the roofers didn't come back. And by the time they came back, the room had a couple of inches of water in it. And it had been, oh. the roof, entire roof had been draining into it for days. Oh. Um, yeah, so a lot of damage. There was black mold. Um, oh, they, man. That is <laughs> soul was, crushing. The, the, it was, the I it was <laughs> terrible. I lost 20 years of teaching material. Um, oh. I came in, I looked at the gear and, um, you know, the... Uh, the sound card or the, the cards inside of the interfaces to the GEC were actually delaminating. So, and yeah, it was pretty awful. Um, we have a 1912 Steinway A piano in there that was donated to the district in 1931 when they built that. You know, somebody said, oh, you have a new music room. Here's my piano. And they refurbished it before they gave it to us. And I had to mark with a Sharpie marker uh, the cracks as they moved across the soundboard. It was, you know, it was, it was bad. Brutal. Uh, but that was how I met Jason because um, my I had this phenomenal assistant principal uh, named Melissa Siegel, and she found me in lunch duty one day, and she said, "Okay, we've got the contractors. Uh, we're going to make them cover everything. We're they're basically taking it off of the roofing bill, and uh, I need a list. Can you get it to me by two o'clock? I got you a sub. Can you get me a list?" Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And he was my first call, and I was, you know, really desperate, saying, because I'm literally watching my gear sort of dissolve, and, um, and darn if he didn't get me a quote in, like, two hours. He was amazing. So, and you know how they say you always remember the people who were there when you were desperate, so. Um, well, Jason, I hope you're listening, my friend, with a big smile on your face. It's good to hear that. I mean, but what a horrible, I mean, I would have been crying. I would have uh, absolutely been crying if that was <laughs> Yeah, it was, I was pretty close. I was, you know, equal parts, absolutely furious and crying when I wasn't one, I was the other. Oh. Um, I mean, it all worked out. Uh, you know, they, they did cover the damage. We got new, I believe all the gear was replaced. Um, the computers ended up okay. So those didn't need replacing. Uh, the synths were okay. Uh, my student teacher got an incredible education that year. Oh, absolutely. I, <laughs> I actually <laughs> called, I had a crane student teacher named Alex Fung, and I called him and I said, listen, do you, are, are you sure you want to do this? Because this is like disaster central here. They literally had, you know, the guys who handled Hurricane Katrina condemning my room. So are you sure? And he, and he was amazing too. He said, oh, I think this would be good. I, I need to know this stuff. I, I need to know how to handle disasters like this. So, um, 
Does Alex so, now teach like in Nanuet? Yes, yes, he does. He's a string he, teacher. He was my student at Teachers College. What a small, oh my gosh, ridiculous! Oh, what are the odds? Oh, uh, wild. And so I got to hear, Jillian. You teach in Newburgh, New York, and and so I'm a lifelong Rocklander, okay. uh, in in about 20 miles north of Manhattan. But people listen to this podcast from all around the world. So. Um, why don't you describe Newburgh? Because it's a very interesting place. And you've been there your entire career. Was it 30 plus years you've been there? Yeah, 30, I've been here since 1989. Um, right. I mean, tell, tell because Newburgh's a very interesting town. I think you'd agree. Uh, yeah, it really is. There's so much, so, so much history um, in the city itself and around the city. Uh, you have, you know, um, the New Windsor Cotonment, which was one of the last encampments uh, during the Revolutionary War. Um, there's um, the city itself was one of the first cities to have electricity. It was a test city for television. Um, at one point, it was called the the Jewel of the Hudson. That's right. Yeah. So uh, really, it's just so 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 much history in the city itself, um, and and the school. So the school, uh, the building that I work in right now, Newburgh Free Academy, uh, is the high school, and the word free is in the name because the school has existed since before public schools were free. So, um, so that's something. Oh my goodness. That, yeah. That's, you know, I was, and, and I remember I went to Pinebridge high school, which is, you know, oh, about yeah. 20 miles west of here. And, and I'm a transplant from New Jersey, but you know, I was at Pinebridge high school and we would go to these all counties and we'd hear for, Oh, those people from NFA, NFA, what, what is an NFA? And, and they'd say Newburgh free Academy. And we always thought it was a private school because it said free Academy. You know, yeah. we don't know what that means. Um, but that I, it wasn't until I worked here that I found out, no, it's called that because they had to put the word free in there. So people knew it was free, that it was a public school. So, um, Goodness gracious. So, but Newburgh, I mean, when, so people think of it when you're describing it as a jewel of the Hudson, it is not, it is, I don't, I wouldn't say not a jewel of the Hudson because I, I, I actually love Newburgh. My brother lives in Cornwall, a, a mile or two away, yep. and I go to the Newburgh Brewing Company a lot. Um, but it, it is, it is, I think it would be fair to say like many Hudson towns that were north of Manhattan, uh, during the late 19th century, early 20th century, they were incredibly bustling tourist central where, with hotels mm -hmm. and 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 the industrial age kind of ended and these towns basically became like like very similar to Kingston and Poughkeepsie and all these towns along the Hudson they kind of lost that uh, everybody moved to the city and they became these kind of um, you know not, not not ghost town industrial towns but they very much changed and so would you say I mean how would you categorize Newburgh now it's not like an affluent suburban district is it? No, no, it is not. Um, I would say it's almost like this sort of empty outpost that's that's been left. And um, the guidebooks describe Newburgh as an example of urban renewal gone awry. Oh, wow. um, so that being the way, you know, take that as you will. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There are a lot of lot of really cool things about the city, but you know, people use adjectives like gritty or earthy to describe it um and that might be accurate it has hit upon hard times i mean our, our student population especially right now during the pandemic um there there's a lot of need yep. uh you know some sometimes very very desperate need a lot of old old buildings i mean, you know which is awesome because historically it's just such an amazing place there's all kinds of historic register buildings but with that comes 
with age comes other problems. Um, so we do have a lot of house fires, uh, kids with maybe lead paint. There's a lot of lead paint issues in the city because um, it's old, you know, it's, yeah. but it's not, so, it's not all. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> and, uh, what I was going to say is that a lot of people, when they think of, oh, it's suburban New York City, um, it, it, it kind of, I think gritty is a really good adjective. I love the town. I absolutely, so I'm not saying anything negative about it, but it's, a, it seems yeah. like it's a challenging place to teach. Uh, it is. I mean, sometimes it, it can be very, it, it can be heartbreaking, yeah. you know? Um, so, but the kids are amazing and, and you want so much more for them. And, you know, economically it's, it's sometimes heartbreaking yeah yeah, yeah. And, I, and i i told my started my career in uh in irvington new jersey just outside of newark and they were the they were among the favorite kids i ever taught and and they needed they needed it you know they needed music they needed mm -hmm. an adult in their life that cared about them and it was uh in many ways an amazing place and in an ama another many other ways very heartbreaking and i i couldn't see myself there for 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 years because it was just it was really hard um but You've been there for 30 years or 30, how many years? 32. 32. I think this sure. is year 32. Yeah, that's extraordinary. So I'd love to hear, Jillian, your kind of path because, you know, we started off with you at this amazing music tech lab, but what, what do you teach? What is your daily kind of schedule there in, in, in Newburgh and, and why have you stayed so long? What is it about the district that you love? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question. And I, I'm not sure I know the answer why I've stayed to that. I mean, I love the people I work with. Yep. I have just these amazing colleagues and I love what I'm doing and I love my students. And um, there you go. <laughs> so there's some reasons. And, you know, we have a joke here that, um, you know, when you work at NFA, you have to kind of develop some teeth. Right. You know, and um I don't know, you know, the term not safe for work, like, I, I don't know if anybody else would have me at this point, because working, working here makes you a little edgy. So I don't, I don't know if I could go to, let's say, a neighboring district and have a kid say something to me and have, I don't know if I could say back to them the way I could hear, look, can you just not lie to me and tell me the truth? Because then we'll be done faster. Like, I'm not sure that that would, even, you know, pass in certain other places. So um, there's that gritty bit again, you know. Um, and it's not that I don't care about them, but I'm like, look, you know, we don't have time for that. Don't just yeah. don't spend your time lying to me. Just just tell me I didn't do it and we can move on, you know. So, um, but now I'm the choral director. Uh, so the, um, the subprime mortgage uh, crisis hit us very, very hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, part of being in um, an, an economic, a city with the economics that, that Newburgh has. Um, so we lost uh, lots of lots of teachers. And um, we used to have five teachers at the high school. Now we have four. And so I had to be the sort of the architect of the shutdown of my own program actually um and one of the people we lost was the choral director and so that's what i do now and i, I started as a choral director and so now here i am at the end of my career so that's there's some balance there um so my typical day is i i conduct three choirs uh in a non-pandemic year because now there's no typical day but um exactly. in a normal year <laughs> I conduct uh, three choirs. One of them meets every day. The other two meet on opposite days. And uh, we teach five periods a day here. So my other three periods are rotational voice lessons. Uh, those are small group lessons for 
the kids in the choral program and I provide lessons to the three choirs that I teach as well as the choir that my colleague uh, Monica Antonelli Guido teaches. She teaches the tenor bass choir. Oh, okay. I know um, that name. I see her on uh, on our Facebook group all yep, the time. Yep, she's on there. So uh, she's my partner in crime here. All right. Now it all makes sense. That's very cool. <laughs> That's my partner in crime. <laughs> she wields a good rubber mallet. I got to tell you. <laughs> if you now, are you, so you don't teach, you don't have a self-contained like music tech class anymore? You're, you're all choral? So that, yes, me, I had to hand that all off. So when we, when we, when there were five of us, that was the only thing I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I taught, um, let's see, two low, well, technically three levels of piano. The third level of piano was a synthesizer ensemble. Um, and that was just a really, uh, groundbreaking type of thing to teach. Um, I took that over from, from a guy named Dave Siglin, uh, who went before me. And uh, that was just, you know, call it, call it a synthesizer ensemble or a keyboard orchestra, or I'm not sure there's not necessarily a category. Let, call it Craftworks, you know. You um, I love it. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and they were, they, those kids were amazing. They loved, you know, they could play anything, you know, because your synth can be anything. And um, they actually toured. That was that we called ourselves Metallica without the flash pots. Um, you know, that, that group performed at the NISMA conference. They actually performed at the time conference, the time national conference in Ohio, um, at one point. So, um, I, I was uh, there. I am almost positive that I saw that performance. Okay. Columbus, Ohio. I think it was. Yes. Yes, it was. And and that was, that was like, that was crazy. You know, my students say, oh, we we love your class because we always do crazy things. And and I'm like, yeah, that was probably the, the craziest because that conference was in February. Yep. So we were leaving the state of New York in the month of February and it was snowing and uh, we had just enough time to get there before the bus driver had to stop driving because there's a limit on how long they can drive. Right. Um, um, and yeah, that was, and we, we had a busload of everything. We had, you know, timpani and chimes because we always worked with a percussionist, you know. Um, Very cool. So yeah, that was, I handed that off to my colleague, um, Paul Carroll, who teaches is uh he's a doctor of percussion and so he taught percussion lessons music theory rock history and guitar so what we did when we lost the position is we looked at all of those um half-year elective courses and so instead of teaching uh say four sections of something we went down to two and consolidated all of those non-performing ensemble electives into one position so now he teaches um, most of those classes. So I, I handed off, uh, all of that to him. And so the room is still running, uh, okay. which is a good thing. I just don't get to run it. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'd love to hear Jillian, cause you're, you went to Crane, right? I did. Oh, very cool. So I've, I've had many, many, I've had many, many Crane students and that explains probably, uh, why you're such a fabulous music teacher. I've heard nothing but glowing <laughs> things from everyone I've talked to. And I'd love to hear, um, how you got interested in music technology? Was it, did, did it happen at Crane or, or was it organic? What, how did you first get into it? So I think it was very organic. Um, I'll throw a couple names out, out to you. When I was at Crane, I took a couple of classes. I took a, an audio fundamentals class from a guy named Gary Galo. I don't know if you know that name. No. Um, he's just retired last year, in fact. And then I all, back then, you know, I, graduated in 1989. So technology was looked very, very different back then. I took a quote unquote music technology class from a guy named Scott Levine. I love Scott. Uh, I love that. So, story. He's very yeah, so, mine. I love it. so, so there were the seeds 
I guess, planted at Crane, even though I was a voice major with the intention of becoming, you know, an elementary or a general music slash choral director. Um, and um, that is, I landed here in Newburgh teaching K2 in two buildings on a cart. And we were in one of our buildings was the first dedicated music, I'll, I'll call it a lab, although it was more of a hybrid thing. I mean, she still did traditional um, general music instruction but we had a music lab in our elementary school using mac 2gs computers that didn't even have a hard drive um and we had hardware from temporal acuity products oh i don't remember tap and pitch machines so cool yeah yes so we had all of that with Fostex recorders, you know, hooked up to the tap and the pitch machines and you could make your own exercises. And that was just, you know, that was unbelievable, mind blowing back then. Um, and the software we used on the computers, which everything was on a floppy disk uh, back then, um, were things like Magic Balloon, which was teaching up, down and same to kindergartners and, you know, early pitch direction. And then another thing called Tony, you know, playing on the word tone, right. uh, which was sort of find the mistake. Uh, and there were others. Those are just the ones I... I remember, but so that was, I kind of, that was going on in my first position. Uh, and and I had people around me too. Uh, I'll throw another name. Tom Rudolph came and did professional development here at NFA early on. Um, and one of our, that that is fabulous. Oh, he's amazing. I don't know if he remembers being at NFA, but I remember it vividly because I think my, my brain exploded, you know, he is the reason that I got into uh, music technology presenting. I remember I saw him in Atlantic city in 1988 doing something on band in a box. Yep. Yep. He was just, he was like, you know, like zero to 60 and non, it was like strap it, strap yourself in. You're about to have an hour with Tom Rudolph. Right, hang on, hang on. Oh as my as God! Blew my doors off, kind of. Yep, and, yep. I I remember that sensation of my head exploding as I went. Yeah. What? What are we <laughs> right. talking about? And Band in the Box was was one of the things he he taught us about. Master Tracks Pro. That was another really early program, um, sequencer. Very cool. Um, and then the one of the guys who worked here, uh, I think, did some PDs with Tom, a guy by the name of Daryl Winslow. Um, who introduced me to one of the very earliest notation programs, which was called Nightingale. I love Nightingale. <laughs> and do you, do you remember the best thing about that was, and I still miss this feature, uh, one of its biggest things that people loved the most about it was that if you shook the mouse, you know, if you just jostled the mouse, it would switch between uh, whatever two tools you had used the most recently. Yeah, very and every now and then I still find myself, you know, swishing the mouse a little bit to see if it'll switch oh. <laughs> you know i'll be in finale going how come they won't switch <laughs> yeah so you were you were teaching with music technology at the elementary school level when it was brand new i mean that, that yeah that kind of like you know late late 80s early 90s we were like fumbling around in the dark trying to figure out what to do with this stuff and there were so many software programs out there that did one thing um, right yeah, uh, that's that's fabulous. It's so it's so cool to hear. That. So you've been you basically have been teaching with music technology since day one. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's wow. and it's been quite a ride. You know, it's um, that we Newberg always Newberg's big enough that people look to it for things like beta testing. So we did uh, temporal acuity pro- products, um, and I I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting the man's name, but the person who was in charge of that. Uh, you know, he called my director at the time, Elaine Simpson, and said, hey, can, can, can you, you know, test drive this for us? Um, and 
Later on, it was a program called Music Lab, which did a few things um, that we, we beta tested that in one of the junior highs that I ended up working in. Um, and that one did uh, a little more, you know, it did pitch recognition, it would listen to you. That was groundbreaking that something would listen to you and tell you if you're right or wrong besides a pitch machine, you know, software based telling you if you're right or wrong. Um, and it ran on a server, which was also new at the time. That's crazy. Well, and half most of the stuff was happening before email was even a thing. Like yep. we had bulletin board services hosted by colleges, but nobody had email. And here we are doing, you know, these mind blowing things with music technology. Wow, that is very. So, I'm going to totally go switch gears and pivot because we're 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 a good twenty minutes in, and I, <laughs> I want to make sure I get to probably the the like the elephant in the room question, which everyone in 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 the world at this point is dealing with. So you're a choral director teaching at, at, you know, been teaching a long time with technology. So when March 13th hit and basically <laughs> the entire world as we knew it ended, um, you know, what did you do? How did you get through the last couple of months of the 2019-20 school year? And then what are you doing now? And, and how, like, what is the teaching situation? Here in Rockland, my daughter is in, is in completely virtual school. We, the hybrid thing is gone now. Uh, mm. So yeah, just, just walk us through that. How did it start and where are you now? And what are you doing most importantly? <laughs> how, are, how are you managing being a choral director without kids, you know, singing in front of you? So March 13th, we, we knew, uh, you know, and I call it like smelling a snow day. You know how you're teaching and you just kind of know, you're like, ah, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a snow day tomorrow. And um, there was a lot of back and forth and we were asked to hand out a letter on Friday the 13th saying, you know, giving an update as far as what the district had and, and that, and rescheduling, we were supposed to have school on Monday. And then they, they had made Tuesday a professional development day. So they had canceled classes for that day. And that the plan I think was to bring us all in so that we could figure out what on earth we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, Cause they anticipated the shutdown. And of course that never happened because we never came back uh, for Friday the 13th. So right. um, the, the very last thing I did, on Friday the 13th with my, um, it was an A-day, so I saw my yeah. A-day classes, uh, my fourth period class, the last thing I did with them is, was have them all take out their cell phones and make sure that they could log into Music First. Oh, yeah. That was literally the last thing I did with it because I knew it was like my lifeline. I said, look, I don't, I don't think you guys are coming back on Monday. We're almost positive you're not going to be here. Uh, and I literally had them hold up their phones and show that they could log in. And I walked around, you know, I had like 45 kids in that class, walked around to make sure. And then I did, I had about six, six or seven kids who, oh, it's not where I was working last week. It's not working now. And, um, and then I did the same thing with my ninth period class. Um, so that was kind of my, my, I'm the health and safety person, the union health and safety person for my building. So the 12th and the 13th were very, very uh, chaotic and busy because we had a lot of health and safety calls going on that day too but that was march 13th and then the shutdown was you know you <laughs> that was difficult um we never knew you know they kept saying oh we're we're off for a week and then you'd wait for the governor to make that announcement so you know you really didn't know how to plan yep. uh, we're talking about compassion grading because uh, the covid hit newburgh very 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 hard um you know a lot of our families lost a lot of family members uh, the past president of our board of education passed away from COVID. The wow. sitting vice president of our uh, of our board of education passed away from COVID. Um, our union president 
got COVID and thank God is, you know, it has recovered. Uh, but it was, it was just sort of rampaging through the city of Newburgh. So, um, you know, as far as, you know, asking kids to complete assignments or something, we really had to go very gently with that because we, we never, I was getting emails from kids saying, uh, you know, I'm really sorry, I couldn't get this work done. Uh, my whole family is sick and my mom and dad are both in the hospital and I'm taking care of all the younger siblings or, you know, so we're getting emails like that uh, from students or from administrators. So, uh, so the spring, I was just trying to keep them going. Um, and the advantage we had in the spring was we were only a couple of weeks out from our concert. Um, so I, I absolutely used the Music First platform to, to just keep in touch with all of my kids. And I was putting things out there uh, that were sort of already in the works. Uh, so, you know, the music is 90% learns. We're just doing a little details and polishing on it. Um, and so we did a lot of um, practice first assignments. Um, I used the, um, there's an assessment feature in Music First that, um, that I was using absolutely not as an assessment. I used it as a multimedia presentation tool. Um, so I would put items in there. Okay, here's a video of me singing around with myself, or I'm, you know, I'm singing the round and playing part two of the round on a recorder and playing part three on the harp or whatever instrument I have in my hands. And um, okay, sing along with me. Um, and then I would put the sheet music up there. Um, and then I would set up a record task and say, talk to me. Um, so there was a lot of that. I did a lot of that. And you use and the, the assessment, so the assessment builder to, to, to yeah. do like, oh, that's very cool. Yeah, to it. make, and, and it was really, here's my lesson in a box, you know, uh, yeah. you know, go on in there and, you know, the only, uh, you know, and I'm, technically I guess I was misusing it, but I, I called it being creative. So um, I love it. <laughs> if I, if a kid submitted it, you know, you can't uh, clear assessment submissions any more than I could tear up a regions exam so I could reassign it to them. But like if a kid hit submit by accident and stuff like that happened a lot early on, um, you know, I would, I had a lot of, I had a very messy grade book. I'll put it that way. Um, so that was the spring and the kids were able to do a lot of singing, but of course not in front of me. Um, and we did not meet live. They, uh, you know, the district probably rightfully felt that it would be too much for the kids uh, what, with what was going on in the city of Newark to ask them to sit down in front of a computer at a particular... Right, so it's completely asynchronous. Uh, yeah, I mean, we hosted Google Meets, but nobody had to come. Um, so, and, and kids would check in. I mean, you know, I would sit there in my office with two or three meets open and, um, and kids would show up or if they could, and sometimes they would come just to talk to you. Um, my madrigals chorus, which is my top chorus, I did meet with pretty regularly um, because I think like many people, I was trying to salvage something for my seniors. Yep. And um, one, of the, one of the very, very long, you know, we've got, this school's been around for over 200 years, so there's a lot of traditions here. One of them is that the madrigals always sing at graduation and, it's, and they always pick the tune. And so um, I said, well, if, it's kind of like your house is burning down. You can only grab one thing. What one thing are you going to do? Yep. Um, so I said, okay, we're going to do that uh, because that, and we're going to make, you're going to make a music video. Uh, it wasn't a virtual choir video. It was a music video. Um, and uh, I had the day, the day that they passed out caps and gowns here, I co-opted on it and I had the kids come in to get their caps and gowns. And I did a lot of filming of them. I said, okay, we're going to do a photo shoot and a filming and I'm filming you walking around the outsides of the building and the fields. And it's a very beautiful setting here. 
Um, and so that turned into uh, their senior song. They did Hard to Say Goodbye. Oh, wow. uh, oh, and uh, you know, very. I think a lot of I people cried. Tough to watch. <laughs> I would have been. I would have been sobbing my head off. I, well, and, and I work with this really great uh, teacher who runs the broadcast classes. And he would, you know, I'd be sending him rough cuts and be like, "What do you think? What do you think?" And he go, "Oh, crying! Excellent! Most excellent! People are going to cry!" You know. Oh, so, <laughs> um, and now they have that to keep forever. So that you know, that's that's something that they were able to get out of out of this um and we did do a lot of it on the platform um as far and and you know finishing out you know it's a lot of unfinished business i think a lot of people look back with regret at the things that didn't happen you know at one point i had a pile of all the music that didn't get performed live um but but, but they did manage to do a lot of things other than that so um you know you take what you can get i guess Absolutely. So, what are you doing? I mean, so then fast forward to the fall. I mean, did what is what is and or what was and is the situation now? So now we are synchronous. Uh, we haven't. We had students. We did not have students in September. Um, we phased students in by grade level. Uh, so the the sophomores, excuse me, the freshmen came in in October. Um, and then the sophomores had just phased in, and in the second week of November, we got the Halloween party surge. Yep. Um, and so uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, kids quarantining or teachers having to quarantine. Um, I suspect that we literally didn't have the manpower to keep the building open uh, because, you know, one kid quarantined 11 teachers. Yep. Yep. So now we, we, you know, so I, and I'm not sure because I don't operate at that level, but uh, that, we haven't had kids since the second week in November in this building. They, they, they did have them in the lower grades um, right up until Thanksgiving, and now all of us are on this holiday pause. Um, I learned a lot. I think a, I, I could probably say a lot of people, a lot of teachers learned a lot during the spring uh, about what I will and will not do. Um, like I, I was giving way too much work. Um, so I've dialed that back. We've added Soundtrap to to our platform and that has been absolutely huge because um you know i am doing the thing where okay i'm running warm-ups and you sing silently at home but i can't hear anybody i never get to hear them um so i don't do much live quote-unquote live singing uh because i can't fix anything so i warm them up and we'll stretch and so forth um and then i'm listening to them mostly in soundtrack because it's the only place where they can sing together right so um, and the collaborations there yeah, we're doing a lot of collaborations. And in fact, my treble chorus did the first collaboration because they were my one of my smaller groups. Um, and I said, all right, we're going to do this thing. And, and they're like, what, what? And of course, they've never seen it. And I'm teaching this all over, over Google Meets. Um, and the first time they heard themselves together, uh, like, let's just say the chat just blew up. You right. know, there was a lot of OMGs and and I had to ask a kid, what does M-W-A-H mean? And they're like, you know, Mwah, I'm kissing. And I'm like, oh, oh, I have to make the sound. So uh, so that that has been uh, really saving. And then, of course, I can get in there. You know, as a choral director, uh, you know, how do I fix? And this has always been my thing about music technology, whether, whether it was a pitch machine or, you know, whatever it happened to be, it, it can't correct a bad vowel you know, a poorly right. shaped vowel or a poorly placed vowel or, uh, you know, how we work with text, you know, that just changes everything. So, um, 
So that's, I'm, and I'm listening live. Like you can, I can see all of them in there, you know, so-and-so is here, so-and-so is here and they're dropping things in the chat. Like, how do I do this or how do I do that? And I'll say sync it so I can hear or save so I can hear it. And uh, so I have more of that. I've drifted more into that. Um, and I think the kids like it. Like right now they're all making holiday greeting cards uh, for a recipient of their choice. Um, so, yeah, and it has to, the only rule is their voice has to be in there somehow. Um, if they want to pull in a MIDI file and sing along with it, or if they want to, uh, you know, I have one kid who's doing, um, singing all four parts of A Christmas Carol. He's like, no, nah, I just want to sing all of them. And I said, okay, do it, you know. Very cool. Uh, so there, there's just, they, you know, they, the fact that, um, I always think of it as, I used to ride horses, I used to ride race, help train race horses. And, and, you know, when you're training a new horse, they very frequently will attach them to a seasoned horse. And so... I think of chorus that way, and I, and I tell my kids this all the time. I say, you know, band, orchestra, chorus, is ensemble is the one place where you're expected to share the answers with your classmates. Like, it's not cheating to help your classmates. You're supposed to. And um, so when you're in something like Soundtrap, uh, that kid who's not really sure of themselves, um, or, and I have a four-year program, so I've got seniors in with freshmen, and so they can hear that more mature voice or they're hear me i'll put down guide tracks and they can hear oh oh and they'll you know they'll line right up with you and they're learning um so that's that's been a new development this year and has been working really well now jillian i have to stop you for a moment because you are now the second podcast guest uh the first was a guy named ron sykes who's a band director from missouri absolute kind of like yoda style <laughs> um teacher and and he took the same kind of path of, of horse training, right? So he was talking exactly what you just said about, and he used that same kind of concept uh, with his band. So it's really interesting to hear a totally, you know, somebody from the other side of the country <laughs> uh, doing the same thing. There must be something to it. There must be something about training horses that... Well, and, and you know, if you think about how ensembles, especially school ensembles work, you know, um, it's you know, I, I started, I was teaching, I had a third and fourth grade course early in my career, and I always sat the kids third, fourth, third, fourth, third, fourth. I alternated them, and the fourth grader always held the music and pointed so that, oh, wow. you know, the older helped the younger. And, and so, you know, here I am, now we are, I'm teaching high school, but I'm still saying help each other. Um, you know, I mean, everybody has their own copy of the music because they're all supposed to put their marks in and so forth, but um, that having them work together in Soundtrap is the closest that we can get to that. I mean, I'm singing and, and if I'm singing in a choir and I'm a little loose on the part, uh, it's the one spot where I know if I don't sing that note, I know that person next to me is going to sing that note and now right. I know it better. Or they're, I'm, I, I know I practiced, but I'm just not really sure. And oh, they're singing. Oh, good. I'm right. You know? Um, and then there's those kids who just split second sing everything. Um, <laughs> which is probably, <laughs> probably more true in the choral world than it is in the band or orchestra world. But um, one of the things we're doing right now, in fact, is happening tomorrow night, is um, we use Soundtrap to record all the parts in the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, this, is, this year is year 94 for us. They've been performing the Hallelujah Chorus in this building uh, for 94 years. And of course, you know, and it's the whole, there's a fire in your house, what one thing would you save? And yeah. well, we, the district has canceled all the concerts. We're not allowed to have concerts. And uh, so I said, well, what one thing? can we do? And I said, well, my hashtag is don't break the streak. There um, you go. I love that. that you know, kind of, I love that. <laughs> don't break the streak. I said, 94 years. I am not, we're almost to hundred. I'm not starting over. Okay. And you know, I mean, the, the, the Hallelujah Chorus has a very 
people have complicated feelings about it, choral directors in particular, probably, because especially if you're a soprano or a tenor, it's just very punishing. Right. Um, and uh, so we have people for literally from all over the country, alumni, uh, teachers, retired teachers, music teachers from across the district and from all over, because there's NFA alumni just everywhere. They're just right. coming out of the woodwork. Um, and so... For the students, uh, Soundtrap was the platform. So I would go in and I, here I am, here's me singing the soprano part. Um, and, and you guys go in, here's the soprano collaboration, just you know, match it up. And, and I, I think I taught the hell out of the, that piece. It's the right. first time I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm discovering things about that piece that I, I know. And I've been teaching it for 12 years and still there's stuff in there that, you know, because of the way I'm having to teach it. Um, so they all put that stuff together and um, using Soundtrap, you know, and we did, you know, the nice thing about a program like that is you don't have to get it all right in one take. Exactly. You know, we're watching Eric Whitaker do his virtual choir on 14,000 people. Um, and, and I participated, several of us here in Newburgh participated in that. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my cool. gosh, how do you get that thing right in one take, you know? Um, and, you know, to ask kids to do that, that's just, that's just mean. Um, so when kids realize, oh, I don't have to re-record three and a half minutes to fix one note, you, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty exciting for them. Absolutely. Um, so that's, uh, that's what's going on now. Um, and we're hoping that the spring, you know, now that the vaccine is here, we're hoping that for good, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if your magicals could sing at the actual graduation without masks on and sing? Oh, <laughs> that would be so lovely. Yeah, and we're still getting, you know, like, and you know, musician, musicians December, you know, we've normally got at this point, that group, that's, they're out in the, last year, I think we had 17 gigs between Thanksgiving and winter break. And we actually had a gig over winter break. They had a caroling gig, so. Oh, man. So yeah, yeah I now when I was teaching. I remember when 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 December twenty fourth came. I, basically, I was face down on my living room carpet, like I'm done. I made it. Yeah, you're just like, uh, what's Christmas? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll see. I'll. <laughs> yeah, so, we do. Our, I do my Christmas shopping in August. You know. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Jillian, I, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at our time, and I've uh, got two more questions I have to ask you before I let you go. Um, and the first one, I think uh, you're perfect to, um, to provide, you know, you've been teaching now with technology for 32 years and you basically have seen it all, uh, you know, in pandemic and, and like, you know, floods and everything. <laughs> what, what, what advice um, would you give to music teachers who might be struggling right now with like, how do I do this? Um, you know, what advice would you give to, to try to help them through this? So I would probably give them two sentences and, and um, if Monica Guido listens to this, she's going to laugh her head off because she hears me say these all the time. I'm like, just do it. Just do the thing. Just do it. Don't worry about making mistakes. Just do the thing. And then the second sentence, the codicil to that, I guess, is and ask for help. Uh, yeah. Ask for help. We're not working in isolation here. There are, there are you know, 600,000 teachers in the state of New York alone. Somebody knows, and I learned this very early on, especially with music technology, there is almost always somebody who knows, if you, if you can think of the thing that you want to do or that you need to know, somebody else has also thought of that and, and in all likelihood figured out how to do it. And if you're really lucky, somebody's selling it on teacher pay teacher or something. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I mean, in all likelihood, there's somebody out there who knows the thing that you need to know. Um, so, yeah, just get in there, uh, do the thing, and ask for help. and you know, that's probably the advice I would give them. Don't be afraid, you know, just, right. you know. 
and, and, and as I, I probably have said a hundred times, the students will know more than you. Um, mm -hmm. So it's okay, right? Yeah, ask a kid. <laughs> ask a kid. <laughs> oh, that's great. Very, very good. Um, all right. So now I'm, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you might have a list of things, but I, because you, you seem to really know the platform, but I'd love to hear, like, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you change or fix or add to Music First, Soundtrap, anything to uh, do, make it do something that it doesn't do right now? So, okay. So aside from the Holy Grail of synchronous rehearsals online, yeah. uh, which which I do think is coming because, you know, you've got people using Jack Trip right now and you've got people using um, Jam Kazam. We just can't use them inside of this public school environment. Uh, so other than that, uh, if I were looking for something as a choral director, um, and actually I think I mentioned it before, I would love it if a program like Practice First could listen to text. Um, because we run into things all the time as vocalists that instrumentalists don't run into. And most of these things, whether it's Practice First or Smart Music, um, or which used to be called, I think, Vivace, right? Vivace, like that's that. right. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, they just don't deal with sung text very well. Um, so it would be lovely if there was something that could help with that. Because, you know, a kid can go in and, uh, and the Hallelujah Chorus that we're working on right now is a perfect example. There's all melismas everywhere. And a melisma on a flute, that's fine. They just play those notes. Um, but a vocalist has to decide uh, what, you know, where that syllable breaks. And, you know, they, they sometimes put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, so to speak. <laughs> that's um, hard to do, by the way. You know, Very good. You know, you, know, you know, look at all those things that happen in Hallelujah. Okay, right. yeah. but they don't, you know, a, a younger, a newer choral student is going to go, hallelujah, that's what, they, you know, they're going to divide it evenly, or they're, they're, they're probably not going to break uh, the syllables up the way, the way they're written page, <laughs> so. So that would be a lovely magic wand thing. I will, I will let the folks at Match My Sound know that. I think it's a really good request. Um, it's probably hard to do. I'll I'm sure it is because it's, uh, we've yeah. been all, it's been, I'm, uh, before practice first was a thing, um, you know, we were complaining about that in smart music because it's the same. And it's why vocalists hate smart music yeah. uh, because hearing your part played by a neutral sound doesn't help you put the syllables in the right yeah. places. It's a very good point. I, I take it and I'll, I'll, I promise you, Jillian, that I'll share that with <laughs> the uh, engineers at Match My Sound. So before I wrap up, one cool little piece of news that you may or may not be uh, already familiar with is that Music First has partnered with NISMA um, and we are going to be- I doing, did! We're doing the evaluation festival on Music First. So your kids should rock it out of the house because they it's <laughs> very cool. I told my kids that because my, my director is the, the zone nine rep. Right. Um, so we've been talking to her like, you gotta, you know, what's happening, what's happening. And of course we can just go across the hallway and bother her and ask her this, you know, 16 times a day. And um, every time the kids ask us, we can ask her. And, uh, and she said, Oh no, it's happening. And then, and then we found out and I said, Oh, this is perfect. My kids all know how to navigate. So I'm very yeah, we've excited. Run our, about we've that. run our first pilot test with Michael Salzman in Syosset, and uh, we've learned some things and we're going to tweak and fix. 
Um, but we've been working on it with NISMA since uh, probably May. Um, and we've done a ton of work and I think you're really going to love it. And I'm hoping uh, that I think the evaluation festivals usually run around in uh, March, correct? Yes, our earliest, so in, I'm in zone nine, NISMA zone nine. So we, our earliest ones start in March. Okay. Uh, but we have festivals going all the way till the last weekend in May. Yeah, well, we're excited and uh, I can't wait for you to uh, check out what we've done. The evaluation forms themselves we built. There's a, people might notice, by the way, when they do a task type that there's a new one called evaluation. And many people have gone, what is that? That evaluation is the NISMA evaluation form. You can make your own evaluation forms, but we built that just for NISMA. So we're excited uh, to, to roll that out. So I figured I'd share that good news uh, with you. Oh, that's great. Anyway, Jillian, it's been an absolute delight uh, to speak with you. My, my, as I said, my brother who lives uh, just a, a couple of miles away in Cornwall, uh, I think he uh, came over to Newburgh recently to do a PD. He's, he uh, did. He was great. Yeah, that's my little brother. So I have to come there. It's, as soon as all this insanity is over, Jillian, I want to I come to NFA and, and see what it's all about. It's we would love to have you. And now you've answered the tri you just answered a trivia question because everybody wanted to know which brother was older and which brother was younger. And now we know. <laughs> I'm the older brother. Absolutely. I'm four years older than him. So he's just a baby. Anyway, oh. Jillian, fabulous to chat with you. I hope you have a fabulous uh, Christmas and New Year's and, you and as a well. great 2021. And, and uh, I really uh, appreciate the time you spent talking to me. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.